I'm Mike with the Turntable Teachers, and class is officially back in session. We are here with another guest speaker episode, and I am so happy to have coming all the way from uh, Watsonville, California today. I got Kabwasa joining us, and I am so excited to have Kabwasa. How you doing, my man? Yes, sir. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate oh, of course. It. Oh, no doubt, man. Thank you so much for being here. This is uh, this is really great. We've been kind of going back and forth. I've been going back and forth with your, ma- with your manager, Jason, for about a, a little over a month now. Uh, when you guys submitted your music to us, and uh, yeah, it's been—I've yeah. been blown away from your stuff. You just dropped a new album. Uh, you got—I believe you have a mu- music video on the way as well, too. Is that correct? Yeah, music video coming. Dope. Albums yeah. out there. Yeah, we're working. Heck yeah, we got a lot to talk about, man. I'm stoked. So I—I uh, I definitely want to talk first about though your sound overall because I think you have mm. a very unique sound. I really enjoy what you do. Um, right away, I was really blown away by even though, despite the the album is relatively short only about maybe like just under 19 minutes eight eight nine tracks around there yeah but i was really uh actually pleasantly surprised like how many different styles and genres you were able to pack in such a small you know space like for example like uh you had a lot of uh, even like electronic uh, pop to start like in the first intro song and then mm-hmm. you know dreamer had that like neo soul r&b sound and then you had like a lot of melodic hip-hop kind of built into the middle and then whole lot of love had like some really cool boom bap so um, yeah. just curious as to, you know, how you were able to, um, you know, kind of pack all that in, into one spot. For me, I like, I kind of had to find my sound and it was a little more difficult than I realized it was going to be. But when I first started off making music, like, um, legitimately, like about three years ago, I was trying to do this like super aggressive, like raw hip hop, like trying to make my voice sound deeper on the track and like trying to do this and that, trying to sound like how hip hop is supposed to sound. But I naturally have like a higher pitched voice and I have like, I don't know, like bubbly energy, I guess you can say. And I'm just like, that's like kind of who I am. And so I just kind of let that translate into my music and into who I am as an artist. And so the like aspects of singing and like the melodic hip hop and stuff kind of just like, just entered in like I didn't even you know what I mean and it just kind of did its thing whenever I was writing or when I was in the booth it would just turn into something melodic whether I wanted it to or not um and then I guess like most of my influences growing up have just like been some of those like R&B artists and things like that so it kind of just all fuses its way into my album at the end of the day but yeah I have like this thing where I say like my genre is um, hip hop slash R and B slash neo soul slash old school slash new school. So that's <laughs> that's the vibe I'm trying to You're stick like, with. Yeah, you just pack it all into one, man. No, I think it's such a it's a like a unique way because I feel like for you you kind of have so many different hats that you can kind of play a little bit. And I, I see what you're saying with your voice sp- uh, specifically. That's good. Like, I think for you, that's great self-awareness to uh, be understanding of like, okay, these are, you know, this is what my talent is or what my voice sounds like. How can I tailor my music 
to make it sound well with what I what I'm working with. And I, so I think that's a really unique thing for artists to to, to know really to, to know about themselves. So that's that's great. And yeah. I think it translates super well. I, I said it to Jason immediately. Actually, maybe I even said it to you. I'm not sure. One of you. Yeah. I had said uh, it, it gave me. Smino and Childish Gambino vibes, like made yeah. flight, your new album. It really felt that way to me. And then as I was looking, as I was kind of preparing for this episode, I was thinking I was on your Spotify. I don't remember where I saw this, but I saw both those artists were like in like uh, artists you've been influenced by. So I was like, oh, of course, like yeah. that just it works out perfect. So even mm. this, even this, you, you even when you rap, you remind me of Smino or like a, even sometimes when you sing, you got like this like Johnny Venus uh, yeah. sound <laughs> oh, from yeah, Earth Gang. It's a high compliment. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I'm huge fans of those Maybe. guys. So you're, you're right yeah. in the pocket of the type of music that I enjoy personally. Um, but yeah, man, no. So everybody that's, you know, obviously on the East Coast, I mean, you guys probably have no idea who Kabwasa is. He is blowing up on the in Watsonville, uh, California right now, doing great numbers on Spotify. Really just his new album is, is getting a lot of praise and a lot of, like I said, a lot of good streams uh, and streaming numbers. And so people on the West, uh, excuse me, in the East Coast, uh, you guys definitely got to check out his stuff, especially you guys like Neo Soul. Um, this Maiden Flight uh, album, like I said, it, it's a good one. I was super, super uh, impressed with it. Really loved it. One of my favorite songs, I, I can't lie, that song Dreamer with Ione. Ione, is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Yeah, bro. Yeah, Ione. That, that, that sh that's my shit right there. I really like that one. I really like Whole Lot of Love as well. I like the boom bap old school uh, vibe you went with towards the end to kind of finish it out. I thought that was a smart play. Um, Thank you. So talk, talk to me about the, the process of, of creating this act, this album, because uh, I know, like you said, this is really a, for you, like your debut project, no? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, this process, I kind of, um, I reached out to, I hit up my manager probably like a year ago now saying like, hey, like, I know like it's early on, but I feel like I want to put together an album and like I have like this kind of storyline that's basically just everything that it took from three years ago to now to get to a starting point and like maiden flight is like that first takeoff you know that first flight that's the starting point so it's kind of like a story of getting to the starting line like the race ain't even started you know what i mean i like so that. yeah so um i like hit him up and there was like a few songs that i had already recorded and that kind of fit into the storyline and like I pieced it together and then said like I need a song here that represents this part of the journey and this part and I like went in and recorded each of those songs until I had the the whole kind of story together and um, yeah it came out to nine tracks I feel like if I put an extra one it wouldn't have needed to be there and if I did one less then it wouldn't have been enough so especially in today's day and age with with streaming I feel like you know people have such short attention spans number one nowadays mm -hmm. but also as well i feel like there's so much music to consume like you know what i mean like we have a huge you know out out in even boston massachusetts area you wouldn't think but there's a really awesome budding underground hip-hop and really just underground music scene here i know a lot of cities really have like a nice budding underground scene if you were to really look so it's it's pretty cool that you know how much music is out there to be accessible but the problem is is then when there's that oversaturation hits you know there's only so much time in the day to listen to everything you know what i mean so i feel like artists yeah. are kind of doing these more quick hitting projects that are six seven tracks maybe have like a 20 to 25 minute run time you know, I mean, unless you're you're Drake and you want to put out a double, you know, EP, you know album like Scorpion, something like that. But like, yeah. you know, it's it's tough to get. I was even having this conversation on our last uh, our past um, guest speaker episode that just come come out this past week with Hex, who's an artist out here, and he was telling the same thing. He said, you know, his debut album, 
you know, only uh, got a, the first half of the um, album got so many better streaming numbers than the back half. And he was just saying mm -hmm. how he doesn't want to drop projects any like at this point because he thinks singles are just hitting better. So it's interesting to hear like different people's strategies. But for you, it seems like it worked out fairly well. I mean, Maiden Flight's getting really good, uh, like I said, publicity. And, and like I said, the streaming numbers are great. So um, congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so what's one of your, one of your favorite tracks from the album? Like what's uh what's a highlight for you? Um, for me, definitely working with Ioni, like, um, we went to school together actually, um, at USC. And, um, when I met her, I was like, damn, she's an incredible artist, like unbelievable voice. And, um, you know, I've like, I had been wanting to like do something with her. So to finally get the opportunity to do it, and to put something together, I was already excited for it. And then I just think it came out like better than I could have hoped. And then um, the other one that I was pretty proud of was, um, at least on this album, was In My Head. Because um, it was a pretty like emotional piece for me. Um, and it was like a, a big part of that journey, which is like the self-doubt and stuff that comes with it. Um, so I feel like that one was like very like personal for me. And... Um, I was pretty proud of that one as well. So probably those two. Yeah, I really, I really liked that hook on in my head. I thought it was definitely, uh, like you said, it, it definitely was deep. It had a nice, cool, like double meaning, especially like watch me like uh, television, television, watch me like news. Like I was like, yeah. ooh, I can, I can get with this. So I like the melody you put on that, that song, and and uh, you know how glossy the keys were in the background. I thought it was a really great track. So. Now you, 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 like I said, you put together a really great project here. I think anybody on the uh, East Coast, you guys, guys got to get hip with it. Obviously, we'll be plugging it for for quite a while at this point. Um, actually, is it cool if we uh, take just a quick break and play maybe a clip of uh, a song? Maybe maybe play a clip of Dreamer. Yeah, sure. Dope. Let's All right, guys. Here's my favorite track from the album, and obviously uh, with Ioni, who he was mentioning a little earlier. This is Dreamer from Kawabasa's new album, Maiden Flight. Dreamer from uh, Kabwasa off of his new project. And like I said, we are back uh, uh, talking with Kabwasa. We got a bunch of things to discuss here. And like I said, I'm super excited to, to dive into some things. So I'm curious because like I said, we're on opposite ends of the coasts and and the United States. And I'm, I'm just curious as to, uh, you know, what the local scene in um, Watsonville is like. I, I, are you guys, you guys are fairly close to LA, no? Or? Um, it's, it's more close to uh, San Francisco area it's like oh okay up. so you're more oh so you're up yeah, north yeah. okay kind of okay in the middle yeah um well, is like a small town so i mean there's a lot of super creative people um you know on the rise over there um but for me personally i moved out to after i went to i went to usc university of southern california for school and i've been living out here since then and there's oh. kind of like 
the opportunities and the connections out here, kind of like coming from a small town to like a big city like LA, you find those connections so much faster. Right. And then to have the support of a small town pushing you from behind and being in a city with all the connections, it kind of is like a perfect storm to like build on it. But yeah, there's like a bunch of super supportive and really creative people in Watsonville and then all the people that I met through school, you know, Ioni, uh, my manager, Jason, you know, all these, all these people, all the people that I've been working with have just like, like in terms of underground music scene have been like, it's like, I don't have to reach up for a feature. I just have to reach to my right, to my left. Cause there's so that's many people, you know what I mean? Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's great. You're already at that point, right? That you're able to have, you have that, you know, around you. That's so great. I love that. And um, so, so it was more like going to USC was really kind of what, what pushed your music career forward or like, how did you, were you already an artist as you were going to USC or is that something that kind of, uh, kind of uh, formulated itself as you were, uh, you know, going through your college years? Yeah, no, for sure. It definitely, um, going through college was definitely the, the kind of thing that got it up and running, you know? Um, and so, yeah, for me. I think my sophomore year, right after my freshman year, was when I started meeting um, a bunch of other people that were like music industry majors or like pop vocal majors and, you know, whatever it may be. And I kind of started collaborating with those people. And then they were thinking like, hey, man, maybe instead of just SoundCloud, you should try taking this more seriously. Try all platforms, try branding, try. And that's when I actually decided on an artist name and started you know, taking it, making it legit. But even in high school, I was out here doing the talent shows and stuff like that. But yeah, I would say like what really fostered the reality of my career was when I started going by Kapwasa and that was in college. Sweet. That's awesome. So when, like, when did it hit you that you were like, I could really do this? Like this could be like, was there a moment there where it was, or was it just more of a gradual thing? I think like the, the self doubt, didn't really, it was kind of there the entire time up until 2020 has been like the year when, I mean, as crazy as this year has been, and I can't even put it into words, but. It's, it's um, amazing, in, dude. It's in terms, yeah. In terms of the music though, like in the very January, I dropped um, this project called Watsonville. And um, it had this track Watson and it came with a music video and it was dedicated to my hometown to just show love. And the amount of, um, support that came back was the first time I was like, you know what, I think I can really do this. And That's it kind of that energy and that like manifestation kind of followed through the rest of the year to the point where, yeah, it really feels like, you know, it's, it's happening and it's working. See, that's interesting because I've even heard some artists, they say like, you know, the hometown can be one of two things. It can be, they can either be your biggest supporters or your biggest haters, depending upon, you know, how, you know, that goes. So that's so great that you have the backing of a small town like that, that will, you know, put put on for you and, and that support you like that. That's got to mean a lot, I would think. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So I, I, so I've never really been to Southern LA, but I, or Southern California, excuse me, but I, I love Northern uh, California. Like I've been up to San Francisco, uh, Carmel, like the, the Monterey area. Oh yeah. Okay. That's, uh, yeah. that's right around there. Oh, that is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah Monterey. I, that's, that's like 10, 15 minutes from Watsonville. 
No. Okay. All right. So, all right. So now I have a good understanding of like, where, cause I'm not, I'm not too, too familiar with California. I've only, I've only been out there one time, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I spent when I was out there, I spent most of my time in San Francisco and Oakland uh, and, and then Carmel as well, which I uh, just so beautiful. I, I was yeah. like, I was, I was with my brother. I was just like, yeah, this is a, a place I could see myself retiring out to. Would be a place like Carmel if I ever, oh, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. or uh, but no, I, I love San Francisco too. I think it's like a definitely, even though it's an expensive city, I feel like it's a. Um, and even Oakland, I heard, is kind of on the up and coming a little bit too in terms yeah, of, um, you know, I, I think Oakland gets quite a, a bad rep. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, but like kind of traditionally like throughout the uh throughout the nation but I, I when i was there a lot of people were saying like oh no oakland's like definitely a lot more gentrified now which you know i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing depends but yeah they look at it but you know they're saying that's yeah, more definitely. of an up, up and coming city yeah um, it's, it's a nice spot it's a nice place yeah no so yeah i, I definitely I'm, I'm a big fan big fan of california so um, so for you, so when, so you, uh, you went to school, you said you just graduated school. Congratulations on that too. A lot of, a lot of big things happened Thank for you, you in 2020, right? Like you said, I know it's, this year has been crazy, but I even kind of feel the same way. It's like, you know, there are some positives to take. Like, I think that, you know, some people kind of tapped into creative outlets during this time, maybe able to pick up a new hobby or new skill or, you know, obviously at the expense of a lot of people, you know catching a virus and 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 obviously (laughs) dying it's not not what we want but like you know obviously right but if we're going to look at some positives from it obviously um you know i think it took some time for people to kind of breathe and and um relax a little bit maybe so um i was curious for you like you know this year sounds like it was a lot of milestones with graduating school dropping this brand new album like how's this year kind of as we're kind of winding down 2020 like when you're looking back like like what's been What's it been like for you? Like, what's what have you? What yeah, have, yeah. Overall, man, I would definitely say that the 2020 has been the most like testing year that I've faced in my short, you know, mm-hmm. 22 years of life. But um, I definitely appreciate every aspect of that this year has given me, like the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm just kind of just trying to like stay grateful for all of it. But I'm definitely. In terms of music, this has been by far the the biggest year that, that I've seen, you know, in my time doing it. And I would say I started like probably seriously, I started the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. And in out of those three years, 2020 has been like exponentially like the growth yeah, um, has been incredible and the support. Um, so even though things have been difficult, you know, in terms of the rest, the other aspects of life. I would say in terms of music, it's kind of been the biggest year to like manifest and move forward. So yeah, overall I'm like grateful for it. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a good way to look at it. Cause I, like you said, there's been obviously a lot of hardships and a lot of like challenges, but mm-hmm. no, I definitely, I think this was, if anything, it's a year of growth. I think this year, especially too, I think it opened the eyes of a lot of people. I think it, it kind of realized like, I think we've all kind of, realize our mortality really like you know what i mean like especially like who like uh, a virus i don't mean, be morbid like this but you know a virus that's much more deadly than the coronavirus at some point in time could could hit you know what i mean like there's a there's you know so many different things that you know could happen you know, and, yeah exactly. yeah there's so many uncontrollable things that we do. i mean there are certain things that we can control obviously in our own lives and and on a, on a small scale potentially like our communities and that can obviously maybe impact the world. And I mean, not to say that you can't impact the world cause that's not true, but like, you know, there's a lot of, 
you know, we, I guess this year was more thinking about like, you know, what can I control? Like, what are my controllables, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah, I would say the same thing. Um, yeah, there's like life, life kind of can happen and end mm. at any moment, any day. And exactly. um, I think this year has shown me that more than anything else that like nothing's guaranteed. So right. like kind of do it now, you know, do what you want, like what you want to do and do what will make you happy and what you're passionate about. So I feel like 2020 has really taught me that what I need to be doing in my life is music and I'm going to yeah. just keep doing it, you know? Right. Cause like what, like what kind of regrets are you going to have if you don't, you know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah, no, exactly. yeah. Like I, you know, it's so it's, that's such great advice. And like, I, I mean, I tell my students that all the time too, because it's like, you know, you know, they're in, a, they're in a space, you know, they're in high school, they're probably getting impressions from impressions from, you know, their, their parents or, you know, family or friends or, or society, like whatever, you know, any, anything really. I mean, there's so many things that, you know, um, I feel like this, it's kind of gets hammered into kids' heads these days that they have to go to college to be successful and yeah. they have to, you know, have to do things a certain way. And I think mm -hmm. this generation starting to realize like, wait a second, like, no, you don't like, you know what I mean? Like, why yeah, do, no. you know? So. You have to do like what what makes you feel the most fulfilled, like, and that's that's not gonna be what someone else said that's gonna be for you. It's gotta be like, you know what I mean. And college, definitely going to college, I will say, um, helped me meet the people that I feel like I needed to meet, and I'm forever grateful for that. But um, I think doing what you want, what make what you're passionate about, is the key thing. And no matter what, no matter where you are, like as long as you're doing that, you're gonna find happiness, and happiness is success. So, I love that. No, I totally agree. I think it's that that yeah. Like, I, I'm actually happy you said happiness is, is success because I think like success can be obviously measured differently for different people, but I definitely think that that is in essence what we're kind of striving for, right? I mean, are we? we're striving for the things that are going to make us happy. I know some, you know, people think like, Oh, like I think fame and success kind of get tied in a little bit too much. And then mm -hmm. obviously like monetary success, I think it gets a little bit too, like those lines get blurred. And I think it's yeah. like you're saying, it's more about like, are you happy at the end of the day, man? You know what I mean? Cause I know people that, you know, I have a cousin of mine who actually gave me some of the best advice I could have ever gotten when I was 17. I don't think I would kind of be on the path that I'm on without him telling me this, but mm -hmm. you know, he, he, uh, we're going to a BC football game. Uh, this is probably as a junior in high school. So it must've been 2011, almost 10 years ago now, which is crazy to think about. But uh, yeah, he picks me up in this fancy Range Rover, right? He drives, you know, he uh, drives all these great cars. He's got a you know, beautiful multi-million dollar home out on, you know, right in uh, the North shore of Massachusetts. Like he's, you know, he's just doing well, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, asks me, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And, and what do you want to do for college? Do you give any idea? And at the time I wasn't really sure. And I was just like, eh, I don't know. And he basically just told me, he was like, you know, you know, like this nice car we're driving in right now. And like, you know, my house and blah, blah, blah. He's like, tell me, I was like, yeah, like it's, you know, you got all these things. He's like, yeah, I don't, it don't mean shit. He's just like, I, he's cause he's in sales. He's like, I hate yeah. my job. I wake up every morning and I hate my job, but I'm 42 now. It's just like, I, I can't, I can't go back. You know what I mean? Like it's too yeah. late for me. But so I took that advice to heart. I was just like, dude, like what's going to make me happy? What am I passionate about? What do I enjoy? And without pursuing, and I still pursue it to this day. I mean, this is why I do this podcast, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Like it's, it's real. you know, so I, I love that you said that. I think that happiness is the ultimate success. I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. That's the only success. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, how many people that are famous, right, that are just miserable and just yeah. don't, you know? It's the, the fame and the money don't last. Not do they not last, but they don't. They, I, I, I don't the know. The happiness you get from it might not remain. Like, if it's not, right. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Totally. I completely agree. So, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's been a tough year for everybody, I feel like. And, and but yeah, like you said, this is a, and we're talking about, I think there's a lot of growth that can come from that. Um, it sounds like you definitely had quite quite a year of growth, and, yeah. and so congratulations on that as well. Um, so the music wise, you have a, you said you have a, a music video coming out that you're uh, that you're currently working on. So uh, for which song? And uh, tell me about that process. What's that, what's that been like shooting a music video during COVID? <laughs> yeah, no, it's for um, the Midnight Shift, which is um, off the album, off the Made in Flight album. Um, I got together with a few people. Um, Kian, his name is Kian Broderwang. He um, shot a concert that I did right before the world shut down. <laughs> Basically, I did. Um, it was the Gear Fest, like USC Music Festival, and um, I had my set. And he um, reached out and shot a video, just kind of recapping the set. And I put that on my YouTube channel. But then later on, we ended up becoming closer, and he had an opportunity to, to get access to a really good camera and like had some, you know, I had a few of my friends get together and the people that I was immediately with, um, just cause COVID don't want to like necessarily get around too many new people. But, um, yeah. And we like went out there and shot this music video and, um, yeah, I'm really excited for it. It's, it was one of the, another one of the songs that has like a whole little storyline in it, but yeah. I'm excited for it. I think I think it'll come out cool. That track's fun. That's one like one of your like I feel like you're one of your like bops or bangers if you will. Yeah, that, the track, upbeat, like that yeah. one. Yeah. That one sure. rides well in, in the car. I feel like it's got that heavy bass on it. I, I love I love the melody on that one too. The some of your uh, and the way you deliver the 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 hook. I love that. Like, I'm really in my bag. Uh -huh. Yeah. Like, I'm like yeah. I I vibe with that shit heavy. That's Thank a good you. one. I'm looking forward to that. So what, do you have a release date for the uh, for the video by chance? Um, release date, not quite yet, but um, definitely sooner than later. It, it should be, awesome. you know, within the next few weeks, I'm, I'm going to say that. Hell yeah. But yeah, definitely sooner than later. Well, fans of ours, definitely stay tuned. If you're liking what you're hearing already, make sure you stay tuned for that music video. We will definitely be reposting that to our socials, no question. So be on the lookout for that in the, in the coming weeks, no doubt. Uh, I wanted to talk to you as well because, of course, like, you know, kind of going off of COVID and things like that, like live shows, performances, really, you mm. know, obsolete at this point. Um, a lot of people are doing, going toward the live stream method, which, you know, I think can be, um, if, it, if, if done right, I think it can be effective. Uh, but, you know, I, I was, am I reading up on you? I, I, there's some, I think, publications out in, uh, your way that have called you a quote unquote riveting performer, which I find intriguing. Uh, so, um, you know, what is it about, uh, you know, your performances that maybe make this description of your, uh, your that you're a riveting performer has, um, uh, has this exactly accurate. And then, uh, like, what do you miss about live shows? Cause I, like I said, we're not really like able to do those right now. So, uh, what do you miss most about performing? Yeah, definitely. Um, well for me, my, like I started off when I first, um, was doing open mics and stuff like that, trying to get people to know who I was. Um, obviously, like I wasn't getting booked for shows, but I was reaching out. But I had the right. worst stage fright, and you could see it. Like I was, <laughs> I'd be up on stage, like I'd be sweating through by the end of the thing, and like I just looked nervous, and everybody could tell. And um, it was kind of like a matter of just like 
I was trying to figure out what do I have to do to to not be nervous up here and just um, continuing to try and continuing to do it just builds that confidence. And then eventually when it got to the point where the crowd started interacting with me, that was when it turned into like a comfortable thing, you know, because, you know, standing up on stage and talking to a bunch of people that are listening to you is scary. But when you're on stage having a good time with like, 60 100 friends out in the crowd having fun with you then that like takes away all the you know the nervousness and now like every time i perform i just i just try to have fun with the crowd and so like i'll say things with them dance you know with them <laughs> there was one show where i um played my song and just had a opened up a little circle and had a dance battle and like no people way. were dancing and i like jumped in the crowd started dancing <laughs> with them yeah, and that's the stuff that like makes it fun for me. And I'm assuming that's what the article was was referring to, but yeah, I just I definitely miss doing those live shows and you know, interacting with people, meeting new people through the shows, like seeing people having a good time and like feeling good. Well, I think that I mean, it's one thing if you get a new listener, a new follower on Instagram, right, that likes your music, but I th- and, and and that's good and well, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think there's mm-hmm. There's something to be said or there's just it's just something special that there is about like, you know, seeing a part like an artist live, especially the one that you really enjoy or like I like going to music festivals, like especially the ones I haven't gotten any like crazy ones besides like Boston calling out here. But the I feel like the most fun part for me to going to festivals is like finding new artists. Right. And like what I've you know, right before COVID, I was going to a lot of uh, like local shows. I started really going towards with like, you know, uh, local acts that were headline. And it was so fun to go to these local shows and meet artists and, you know, make the connections. I was going uh, more as a like a publication or as, as the podcast. Right. But yeah. it was still from a I'm still a, a music fan first. You know what I mean? Like that is mm-hmm. just kind of my nature. So it was so cool to kind of be able to interact with artists and 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 kind of, you know, be able to the, like personality just comes out. I feel like yeah. when as a as a performer, you know. You make those connections with the audience. It's really, it's really kind of, um, yeah. I just, I just, I just feel like it's, it's priceless. It's, it, you can't, you can't kind of put that connection into, you know, into words. You know. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and yeah, I, I love going to concerts, and I specifically seek out those little venue concerts. Mm. You know, where like sometimes like an artist will come when they're up, up and coming or like on the rise, and you like have an actual connection with them as a person, you know, and it's like, it's, it's unbeatable. So to be able to, to be on the other side of that connection and share that connection with somebody that came to a show is like, there's nothing like it. So I can't wait for shows to be back really (laughs) counting the day. I know me too, man. Me too. No, I, you're so right. Because, uh, you know, it's, and and those are always the fun ones, right? Like when you, when you go to a, a a concert for like an up and coming artist and they're not big yet. And then, or like not big enough, like big quote unquote yet. And then like a year Mm. or two later, they, they blow up and explode. And you're like, yo, I was at that concert like before, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's the best. I love that shit. That's that's my favorite thing. Yeah. I did that. So with, um, I don't know if you know the, uh, Brock Hampton, if you're familiar with them. I love Brock Hampton. Yeah. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah. It was, uh, their very first tour that they did for the satur- uh, first two saturations actually. So we're talking like 2018 or something like that. Mm. They played at this really, really small intimate venue, uh, in Boston, uh, classic one, uh, middle called middle East. And, um, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I was like, you know, five, 10 feet from some of these guys, like they were coming into the crowd, like, you know, 
and it, uh, you know, rapping, spitting uh, star like over and over and over again. Like, yeah. you know, like Don McLennan's like hanging from the rafters. Like I have <laughs> it's, it's insane, dude. And then like I went to see them later on at an arena and it was amazing too. Like it was a whole, this whole production, but it's, it's, and that was amazing too, but it's so, it's so different when you're yeah. going, it's like you said, those small venues. There's nothing make, like yeah, being right there. Yes. Yeah. And and the shitty part about this whole thing though is like those small venues are the ones that are going to be at risk when, if if shows don't you know come Start back. Happening, yeah. I know, I know. Like, what are your are, is is that happening a lot out in L.A. and and uh, in the San Francisco in the Bay Area? Is, are there like a lot of uh, venues closing down and things like that? Or are you guys kind of figuring out a way to to keep them afloat? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any like ways that the that these venues I know there's some venues are doing like outdoor things like in the okay. parking lot of their venue or finding alternatives you know to keep mm-hmm. to keep things going but yeah it's definitely like a scary thing to think that some of my favorite small venues might go under um I know but yeah some of those like it's like you said those connections that you make with artists in small venues can't be beat by like any type of mm-hmm. you know like any type of arena or like anything like that that small venue connection is is like nothing else so agreed and just from a fan's perspective right i don't even know how it is from an artist's perspective do you have like a do you have like a moment performing that like really sticks out well like for you like is there like a a, a memory you have that you'll like kind of keep with yourself Stick. that you find yeah it sticks with you yeah definitely um it was uh i was at this this small venue called um ground zero it's near usc and it's super intimate and the the crowd was getting pretty into it but then the um the audio shut off so the so we had no audio and everyone's like oh like what's going on and so i just told everyone's like all right well we got a situation so we're gonna have to improvise and so i just had everybody clap like get a clap going and i kind of like freestyled like off the clap and then everyone's kind of was getting super into it and it turned into like a whole fun experience and from that point forward in the show it was like the connection like with myself and the crowd and everyone else in the crowd, even if they didn't know each other, we were all like in it together and it turned into the most amazing show that I could have had. That one. Oh, that's so and that's like stuff that will only happen at a small venue, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's so freaking dope, man. I love that. Like a little improv there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Yeah. It's, it's funny how something like that ends up working out in your favor, right? Because first yeah. in the moment you're probably like, ah, no, like, what do I do yeah, now, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, That's wild. Good for you, man. Yeah, yeah. well, if you're, uh, if you ever, one day, if you're a tour internationally, or nationally, I should say, right, and you're out on the East Coast, uh, you know, I'm definitely there. I would, I would love to, love to see you live. Or if, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make my way back out West. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a fan of California, dude. That's one of the, no one, of, one of the other, only spots I feel like that I would live besides out here. And I've done a fair share of traveling throughout the country, so like I'm think, I'm just talking about it in terms of the country. But mm-hmm. I'm like a, I'm one of those people. I love the mountains, I love the beach, and I like the, I like the city. Uh, I like all three. So like, and I feel like the only, yeah, the places you can get that are either out here or where you are. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, if you're ever out here, you already know. You know, me and Jason, Absolutely. like we got you. Awesome. Yeah. No, yeah, you guys, you guys, definitely good people, no doubt. Uh, yeah. So. I uh, like I said, I'm a huge fan of, like of, of your your music, your new album, and things like that. And one of the things I really like about you too, 
is um, you, it doesn't seem like, at least from the outside looking in, I could be wrong about this, but I know you were saying that like you get like nervous about, you know, you're, you know, performing and things, or you did it at the beginning. And I think that mm-hmm. to kind of go back on that for just a second, I think that's inherently a good thing. I feel like when you're nervous about something, it means you care about it. You know, that's what at least yeah. what people have told me. Like I, um, and then you, you, you gain that practice and you were able to, you know, figure it out and, and, you know, really transform yourself as, as a performer. So that's so dope. But one of the things I really like about you too is I feel like you're not afraid to speak your mind. You're not afraid to kind of, you know, wear your heart on your sleeve per se. You're not afraid to, um, you know, talk, like stand up for what you think is right and, and what you believe in. And I, I really appreciate that coming from, uh, from you and as an artist, because I think that a lot of artists sometimes tend to, um, you know, some people, some artists take stances on certain things, but some, you know, all, some don't all, all the time and, yeah. but what I respect a lot about you is the fact that you do take you know stances on what you believe and things like that like you had uh, a um, a really interesting Instagram post that I was looking at uh, you were it was a post I think it was like something like uh, defining your own blackness I thought that really intrigued me a lot and you had a song you just came out with in June um, I believe called Black Movement is that correct Mm-hmm, yeah. So single that I that I, I listened to as well. So um, I know that obviously, you know, in the last really during the pandemic, I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement and social activism has been I mean, it has been, you know, a big talking point for a long time. But it's I think it's really come to a head in the last, you know, really the last year. Yeah. Um, so for you, like, you know, what does it mean for you to be, you know, are, are you someone that you see yourself as a social, social activist? Or are you somebody that is an artist trying to use you know, kind of use your platform to you know, kind of make people aware of, you know, what's going on in the in country, really what's been going on for a long time, right? Yeah. Um, what is it, what has that kind of process been like for you? How do you kind of find that balance? Yeah, definitely for me, um, I've always been the type of person to, um, to be vocal about those things. And um, I wouldn't, I'm, you know, I've only been on like in front of like the public eye for, you know, probably this year. And so if I were to change the way that I go about these political issues now that people are listening, that, you know, I'd be sacrificing all of my integrity. And I feel like I'm a, I'm a human being before I'm an artist. And, you know, that means that if other people are experiencing the same like emotional struggles as I am, then I want to let them know that they're not alone. And if I can touch that many people, you know, and like, share these things with them like the only you define your blackness was a a personal experience that i had but since i have this platform and i can share it with people and they can see that you know and feel like they're not alone then like by all means that's what i'm gonna do and the same for you know the black movement when people are feeling angry and frustrated i want to show yeah like i'm feeling that too and and this is it like it comes out in my music and um yeah, so all of my like social activist work that I've done has just been out of it, it's the same thing that I would have done when nobody was watching. But since people are watching, I'm not going to I'm not going to change that. And if anything, I'm just going to push it harder cuz now there's an actual you know, people seeing it. So, yeah, there's there's no doubt that even throughout my career and if I continue to grow and moving forward, I'm going to keep that you know, hold that with me. I teach English too, just for context. And like, so that's okay, yeah. all, all we talk about is humanities stuff, right? Cause that's, it's a humanities course, right? Like English. I mean, I think that 
like for me, this way I see it and that's why I wanted to teach English so badly is because it was, it's not so much about the literature. It's about how can we use the literature? How can we use literature as a tool to learn yeah. about the human, to learn about the human experience, right? All human experiences. The only problem is, is that a lot of human experiences aren't taught. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like it's, so I was teaching, um, I've been teaching some um, uh, poems in, in, in my class uh, with my sophomores. We were doing um, some Langston Hughes, some Gwendolyn Brooks, oh. and, tu and Tupac yeah. poems, actually. And I was kind of using those poems as, to, as a way to, as a lens to really understand the, the black experience and the black progression. And obviously, there's a great TED Talk out there. I've talked about this a couple times on the show. Um, it's called The Danger of the Single Story by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. She's a Nigerian author. And um, she talks basically about how stereotypes work is when you hear one story about a certain people. And we innately take that thing and we make it the only story or we kind of wrap it as a, you know, it encompasses a full, full people. And that's how stereotypes kind of are formed. It's, it's not that that single story is necessarily wrong. It's just because we're not talking about all the stories that make up that person or those people. So that gets lost. And so obviously, like I was saying to the kids, I was saying, you know, these three poems that we're working with, you know, Langston Hughes and, uh, and, and with dreams in the twenties and then Gwendolyn Brooks, um, in the fifth, in the late fifties, early sixties with we real mm. cool. And then Tupac in the late nineties with Rose that grew from concrete, you know, what were they trying to say about what was going on at the time in their communities? And, you know, and, and what, what is, how does that kind of show how the, you know, the black experience in America and, uh, and how African-Americans have been, you know, oppressed in this country for how is, how are we seeing that, um, oppression change what stays the same and, and what are they, what are they saying about, you know, how historically in the time frame and, uh, as I was kind of teaching with some of my kids and telling them about them, uh, I was amazed with things that they didn't even know. Like they've never yeah. heard of Ruby Bridges before. And that's something I remember learning about when I was really young. And it just like, it really hit me. I was like, these kids don't know who Ruby Bridges is. Like, think about yeah. that, you know? And, yeah. it's, and, it, and it just, it gives you a different perspective of like, you know, what are we, like the education yes. piece is we're missing that with everything that's going on. So I think it's just, like I said, it's so important that, you know, people with platforms talk about these things, have the open discourse. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And like, I feel like what you said about, um, you know, how English is kind of like an avenue for understanding the, the experience of people, you know, the human experience is like, it's the same thing with music, I feel. And oh, that's what so I try true. to do with my music. And that's what I feel like hip hop too, you know, more than I feel like more than any other genre is just purely like, the experience and struggle and like you know the like positives and the negatives and it's just all like humanity like put into music you know put into poetry so yeah it's it's all that it's so important to to let those experiences be shared through the music absolutely absolutely and i and, I, and even i think it's i was having this conversation too with uh, somebody yesterday actually where i think it in a sense, I think was for some artists, it actually transformed them uh, in a good way. Like I was even saying like an artist, like for example, like Lil Baby, he wasn't somebody that I was super into um, mm -hmm. throughout his career. But when he dropped that song, The Bigger Picture, I thought that was by far one of his best songs. And also like, I think it gave him like a, a whole different, um, like it's just a, just a different dimension of, of him as a person, right? And like his yeah. what's been on his mind, like with, with when he was able to kind of portray something like really uh, obviously profound. And I was just like kind of blown away with a song like that. So I think some artists, like I said, I love that they're taking, you know, liberties to 
have these conversations and, and talk about it, you know? Hip, like you said, hip, hip hop is a good avenue for that. I really do. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like anytime you're, there's that much of like humanity and struggle and human experience, people are, the first instinct or the first reaction is like, whoa, like stop, that's too much. And then, you know, it's followed by like the realization or the understanding that this is like what makes the art special. So, yeah, whether it's jazz, you know, like hip hop, or even if we're not talking about music, if we're talking about like abstract art and like contemporary art, like things like that, anything that's pushing those boundaries of people, of like where people are comfortable understanding the experience of another human is like those are the boundaries that you got to keep pushing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think we have to do as a society, I think we just as, and as a human, human race right now, I think even more so, we have to be, we have to kind of, I think like Steph Curry has said this before, not to give it Bay Area, but like being, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Like that in itself is a good first step being understand. Yeah. Because, you know, life is not all about comfortability. Like you are going to be in uncomfortable situations throughout your life. And how do you create that? Like, how do you make it comfortable for you? I give you like you, you already gave us an example today, tonight or in this, during this episode, like, you know, you were uncomfortable with performing at first. You would find a way to make that comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. You, and you worked through that process. And I think we, if we kind of, you know, we do it every day in our lives, but I feel like with social issues, we tend to stay in our own bubbles and, um, you know, stay in our echo chambers on social media and, and not have, like I said, like, like I was really even impressed the other, like the other day you posted like a conversation you were having with somebody else about you, you guys were kind of having differing opinions and, and you mm-hmm. were even a little sarcastic, which I thought tongue in cheek, which I found, which I found yeah. uh, entertaining as well. But I mean, just having like, like an example, like the, like, a, like an all li- like the black lives matter, all lives matter conversation. Mm-hmm. Like that's an important conversation. Like why, like why is all lives matter? Why is that a potentially detrimental statement? That's that's why when I did that interview, I was like, okay, this is something worth sharing with, with my followers. And maybe even like, I might, if I can touch like one person or like five people that were thinking all lives matter before and are realizing, you know, what that entails um, behind like as an anti-protest, you know, as like mm-hmm. a counter-protest. When people, if I can get like five people or one person to understand what that is, then that's a, that's a success in my book. So, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's something that I think we need to, yeah, just, just be better about, you know, just be better yeah. about having these conversations. And, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that you're able to, to do that with your fans and your followers. I think that, um, you know, there was, they'll respect you more at the end of the day if you're transparent with them, you know? Yeah. Just and like, being real. You know, mm-hmm. Like you said, art is one of those things where art is a, a way that you can, you know, portray those things, whether it's music or whatever type of art it is. So, no, I totally agree. It's awesome. Um, well, Kabwasa, thank you so much. This has been such a great episode, and, and I appreciate you coming on and, and, and kind of sharing some things with us on your album and about, you know, uh, you know your struggles performing and just ev- everything that you've talked yeah. about today. You know, Talk the, the social social covers. It's been great. Um, I really appreciate it. And it's always great to jump outside of the Boston music scene. And I'm sure like our listeners, we, you know, appreciate getting, getting outside the, the scene every once in a while from, from Boston and Massachusetts. But I have one last question for you. I can't yes, let sir. you go. I can't let you go without this question. This is always my favorite one to ask. And I call it the dream song scenario. All right. So I'm, I'm going to, uh, everyone uh, yeah. loves, 
Everyone loves this one. Everyone loves this one. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fan favorite and an artist favorite every single time we have somebody on. So dream song scenario, structure it for you. You get a dream song. You can make that song with anybody, any artist, any producer, dead or alive. I'll give you kind of some criteria. Uh, you can get a producer or a couple producers. Like if you want a certain melody from one producer, maybe like a, uh, like a drum progression from another producer. I don't know. You can mix and match. So you can get a couple of producers and then you get uh, three guests on the song. So you get someone to do the hook, uh, two guest verses, and you get a verse. So dream song scenario, three artists, a producer, a couple of producers, dead or alive. Who is on that dream song with Kabwasa? Take all the time you need. Go. Okay. Definitely on the hook. Gotta be Lauren Hill. Ooh. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Lauren Hill's on the hook. I would, I would ideally want a hook and a verse from Lauren Hill because she got to sing not? and then she got to rap. You know what I mean? But I'm in. Yeah, Lauren Hill, 100%. And then one of my biggest influences actually um, has been J.I.D. Yeah, he's one of those people that like, like you were saying with Brockhampton, I started following him on SoundCloud in high school. And that was in like 2015. And he didn't oh, even sure. pop off until 2018, 2019. So to see that progression of him, like he's a huge influence. And I think he's just an incredible rapper. So J.I.D. would have to be on there. And then after that, I want to say it's a toss-up between having Kendrick Lamar, who's one of the greatest artists of all time. And and this is going to be, this is going to be controversial, but... I think having doing a song with Drake would be something that would just be incredible. And like, I'm not even a huge like fan of pop generally or like the top 40 music, but I feel like Drake has the type of like, I don't know, the musical influence to where like every time he's on a song, it like, it's the hit of the year. You know what I mean? So like, it's a smash. Yeah, something like that would be amazing. And then in terms of producer, whew, uh, Kenny Beats like is just unbelievable. How good is Kenny Beats when he like I love when he does songs with like certain artists or he does his like little sessions with them and he mm -hmm. finds beats for every single artist like that Perfect. will fit that specific art. It's so crazy. His his versatility is like bar none in terms of as a producer. Absolutely, like, yeah. Yeah, Kenny Beats unbelievable like everything he puts out and he kind of yeah he tailors from like rico nasty to smino can right. tailor it you know perfectly to like whatever whatever your sound is you know what i mean exactly and then he did like i'm a huge denzel guy he did uh yeah. like a little project with denzel at the top of the year but i oh it's so funny because when um that smino and jid song came out baghetti or whatever it's mm -hmm. called earlier yeah. in the year i was stunned that that was a kenny beats because I was like, this doesn't really sound like a beat that Kenny had, would no, do. Yeah. But then again, but it it's sounds, like, yeah, it doesn't sound like a beat that Kenny Beats would do, but it sounds like a beat that Smino would be on. You know, right. same with like the Rico Nasty, like he, some of those like almost like heavy metal type beats. Like, yeah, Rico would be on it. You wouldn't think Kenny Beats would make that beat, but he did. He can like everything. Yeah. Exactly. It's so crazy. And like, I actually really like, so what you said about Jid and I, I completely agree. And I've heard that, or there's been people that have said, that, especially with the Dreamville, um, the Revenge of the Dreamers three sessions, mm -hmm. I think this was like kind of had come out. Um, or maybe it was an R article that um, Rolling Stone did. I can't remember where I read this or where I heard this, but um, artists that didn't know him or even are friends with him, they comment on how meticulous 
and how hard that JID works. Like he supposedly is like the like he's so specific and meticulous about his verses and like the way he like delivers verses. Like people say he's like an absolute workhorse and like just like a genius. Like he almost and legitimately like I mean I feel like all artists are like this, but he's like straight up a perfectionist. Like he's yeah. somebody he's so technical and I um the way that he flips his flows like in certain songs and like to match certain beats like it's, it's his talent is next level like he i've since since that 8701 project i've been saying i felt like he was gonna be you know when it's all said and done he could be up on that top tier with like a cole and and kendrick and and, and drake potentially i feel like he could get there because he's yeah. that talented and he, uh, jid's incredible definitely Absolutely. he's a huge influence for me but yeah, everything everything down to his work ethic and his like style of rapping, all of it, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. His voice too. I find his voice yeah. very uh captivating. And it kind of Yeah, it kind of resonates with me cuz I like he has a high voice and you you're thinking like, oh, like people with high voices like rap, rap is a raw like you know, rumbly like you should you can't be, you know what I mean? But he's got this like oh, super sure. high voice and can rap on a beat just as raw as anybody else. And then at the same time he can sing with like Miraba or like whoever else he's, he's doing like a duet with. And it's just like, you know what I mean? It's like a perfect influence for me. So, mm. yeah. No, I, I love, I like, I like that. Like, like them, him and uh, earth gang, like those have been two of, like too, my, yeah. oh, two of my favorite uh, like acts that I've had in the last couple of years for sure. And, um yeah no it's interesting that you said that but like that i think that is in essence the beautiful thing about hip-hop now where it's like it's become so accessible and has so many different sub-genres and cat like categories within hip-hop like it's it's so less restrained now than i think it ever has been it's become this like creative melting pot with with yeah. it, and and i think it, it's allowed people like with 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 voices like jid and johnny venus and yourself right like to yeah. find their place in hip-hop like i think that's so cool definitely yeah so kabwasa featuring jid lauren hill kendrick lamar drake with some production from kenny beats i feel like it would be a top top smash man be a bad <laughs> <one>. <laughs> absolutely only only in our dreams hopefully hey put it into the universe and uh, that's all i say that every time i'm like that's all you know you can do. Put, Put these into the universe if they happen, you know. Hey, be great, right? At least we. Not at least we <laughs> I love it, man. Well, Kabwasa, like I said, thank you so much for being here, man. This was such a great episode, and like I said, so awesome to talk to somebody outside the Boston music scene. We've been doing that a little bit lately, is getting outside and, uh, you know, seeing what's going on throughout the country and and the world in general. So with with up and coming artists, so, uh, your people. Fans of us, I've said it multiple times on this episode. Probably tired of hearing me say it, but you need to go check out this man's Maiden Flight. Uh, album. We're going to link it in the description. All right, so make sure you guys go after this episode. Go ch click that link. Stream that thing. Support this man. He's got great music. He's got a lot of stuff coming on the way. The good, uh, new music video uh, coming out very soon as well for uh, that song was uh, Wind Midnight Shift, excuse me. Um, mm -hmm. So that'll be coming out soon. Uh, Kabwasa, tell the people where they can uh, where they can find you. Socials, plug yourself, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I'm on all streaming platforms, K-A-B-W-A-S-A. -A -A. Um, social media, just music by Kabwasa. Um, and yeah, you can find me Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of it. So, yeah. Yeah. 
We'll link his Instagram in the description as well for you guys. And also, if you're a fan of Kabwasa, just coming on to us for the first time, you can follow us at Turntable Teachers on uh, Instagram. Find us on Facebook as well. And uh, yeah, we are also on all st streaming platforms, YouTube, and our, hit up our website, www.turntableteachers.com. Got a lot of interesting content on there for you guys. We got podcast episodes. We got uh, resources for uh, up-and-coming artists that are looking to improve their craft and production or... Uh, songwriting or in tips and tricks that we uh, enter through our pro, um, partnership with right mind so make sure you guys go check that stuff out as well and, and support uh you know and obviously like i said fans of us definitely guys go support kabwasa and uh, like i said thank you so much for being here man this was a great episode and uh good best, best of luck to you with everything and we'll be uh we'll be plugging your stuff for uh from now until uh until the future for sure so absolutely thank you so much i appreciate it no problem doc no problem at all it's been a lot of fun so anyways i'm mike this is kabwasa with the turntable teachers and class is officially dismissed